I promise you, when you put it up and you see that yoke, you can't do nothing but get your roll on. You can't do nothing but get your roll on. A dumb play by, by Anderson. I love I love Anderson. But it was a dumb play when he had when his foot was uh, shoe was coming off up the line screen. We were hard and take timeout. It is Sunday, December 5th, and respectfully, Mike Zimmer is cooked. Yeah, <laughs> I think um, I think the writing's been kind of on the wall, but we've been close enough to the edge of playoff contention that people thought if he could get in and make a run that maybe he can save his job to some extent. But after the performance today, I don't know how, how you can make that determination. Yeah, so the Vikings lose to the Lions, giving the Lions their first win of the season. Um, again, the Vikings needed to get back to 500, which has been the kind of never-ending battle of the last two years. But the Vikings lose on a Jared Goff game-winning touchdown as time expires on a drive that was, I think I saw 14 plays. Is that right? Is that what it was? Um, where the So the Vikings take the lead, obviously late, on a, after a stop on fourth down, which was a wild call by... Um, Dan Campbell, the Lions coach, but I think he may have been onto something because what you do there is you force the Vikings to score and you're going to get the ball back or had they gotten the first down. Like if they punt there, we have to go the length of the field. We can potentially run the whole clock out, kick a field goal or because we're only down by two, you know? So it was a crazy yeah, call you, at the time, but it, it worked out for them. And I think he may have been onto something. Yeah. If you don't trust your defense to make a stop, you might as well mm -hmm. let them score quicker rather than taking all the time, which the Vikings did a couple weeks ago against the Packers. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, so the Vikings score with what was just under two minutes left. We're thinking, and this is if if you want to call me out for my terrible prediction during the game in our Twitter DMs, you can do so now. But Jared Goff leads the game winning drive. And you know, I said <laughs> it was early too. It was while we were still down. Um, I told you I don't I don't see Jared Goff leading a game-winning drive um, of over 15 yards. So old takes exposed there. But, um, yeah, I mean, what do you want to say about the defense on that drive? It was super frustrating the way they were just playing off coverage. It was – the thing about the drive was you think Jared Goff led a game-winning drive. That's impressive. And it was to some extent. But there was never really a play he had to make like a great throw or the receiver had to make a great catch or play or anything there, giving them 10 yards, every play, keeping them in front of them and all the way to the point where within the, from the 11 yard line, they're giving them enough cushion. Um, Cameron Dansler, Dansler gives enough room that the receiver can get two yards deep in the end zone, turn around, catch the ball without any resistance. So super frustrating way to go. And, you know, it's Zimmer's defense. So, even though you're missing five starters, like 
he was the one calling those coverages. Yeah, I think what what frustrated me the most was, and I'm just going off of the eye test here, but the Vikings brought more than four rushers once on that drive, um, which was when Harrison Smith almost blindsided Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. and almost a pick yeah almost and a anytime pick you too. have a drop pick i feel terrible because i feel like anytime that happens it means you're gonna end up losing like that's you know there was the one the right. famous one in the super bowl when the the giants patriots super bowl i remember um but anyways yeah yeah there was also one in like the 2009 nfc championship oh. if i remember correctly <laughs> but um we drop the pick and they go and score we're just in prevent we don't even have our guys on the goal line on that last play that we had taken a timeout to to set that up which also allowed them without any timeouts to Mm -hmm. to set up something which i don't know i put that more on zimmer on not getting his guys set up correctly it's not like cam dan gamble did anything great the guy ran a 10 yard hook route from the nine or something like <laughs> right. it wasn't anything special. We just let them have it. And that's so, like the first look like the first read. Like, yeah, we didn't make him get to his second read. I don't know what dancer was doing. If maybe this is why Mike Zimmer doesn't trust Cameron dancer. <laughs> that's what I thought in the moment as well. But um, he looks like he's ready to run with the receiver as if he's going to run out of the back of the end zone. Although and Woods sure. was late getting there too, so I think this is on him partially too because it's the inside. Um, you know, he's got inside. He turned inside, but either way, bad yeah, on so both of them. Up. Like that much space to turn around, not even on the goal line. He's like two yards deep in the end zone, and they just are late yeah. getting there. Yeah, and so when that play was happening, all I thought was, my only concern is Hawkinson, the big body. Mm-hmm. He could just box somebody out. Um, and to our credit, we didn't make them box anybody out. We just gave them the open touchdown. So made me look dumb in, in that regard. Yeah. Um, the thing is getting all the way down the field, they were just doing the same thing. I know, I think they got a first down quick. And then the second time they spiked the ball. So they had a third and 10, I remembered, like before they got to midfield. And I'm thinking, you know, less worried about the clock, more worried like, two stops here and they're, you know, or one stop and they're in fourth and 10 and it's a really tough situation for them. Right. But we just give up the inside of the field and the 10 yards. And like, we were way too worried about the time when it was a lot of time, even with no timeouts, it was like a minute 40. So you can get down the field with that. And then we have, you know, we're thinking, Oh, we're just, you know, we're st- keeping them in front of us, everything, try to tackle them and balance waste time. Then there's the play where Breland, the guy runs an out route on him this is like inside the 20 to get down to the 11 or wherever they got to. And he lets them get out of bounds. If he tackles them in bounds there, the clock may run all the way out. So, right. Or at least limit the attempts to the end zone. Yep. It was a mixture of bad, of bad execution and bad technique by some of the D backs. And then ultimately you have to put it on Zimmer and the play calling, because like you said, not bringing pressure um, and just how far off they were playing, you know, Jared Goff has not beat you deep all day you know he had a couple throws of the tight ends up the seam but i just it's it's crazy and they were obviously more worried about the clock than they were about you know playing defense and getting stops so they were they kind of got what they deserved it was very similar we were talking during the game some about that broncos game from a couple years ago where the vikings were down i think 20 nothing at halftime 
and ended up coming back. That was a little more dramatic of a comeback, but in the same way, that one ended with a, a goal line stand with the, you know, opponent trying to get um, to score a touchdown. I think it was Trey Wayne's ended up defending a pass in that game, but you know, this time it goes the other way and the Vikings end up losing in a game that they were down by 14 at, was it 14 at halftime or 11 at halftime? Um, 14 and, at halftime. Yeah. yeah. So, but if you want, well, the, the one other thing I want to say about Zimmer is so the Vikings scored three touchdowns in this game, um, all in the second half, right? They only had six points at halftime. And on each of those touchdowns, they only got six points because they went for two every time and didn't get it any of the times, which we're going to get to Clint Kubiak and some of the play calling on those. But I just thought from the beginning, you know, they were chasing points to try to get within three instead of five or instead of four on the first one. And then every time that keeps happening, if Detroit's scoring even a field goal, um, you just couldn't put yourself behind more and more. And had they taken each extra point, all three extra points, they're up by seven at the end there instead of um, four or five or whatever it was. And, you know, if the game plays out the same, it's going to overtime. And I just thought that was bad, um, the way that they were chasing those points from the very beginning of the third quarter and just short-sighted in terms of, how much, you know, you think, oh, we're going to get within three here when you're just assuming that, you know, Detroit's not going to score again and you're going to be within three. So, you know, from that, you're down five and then Detroit kicks field goal, you're down eight, you have to go for it again. You don't get it again for reasons that we're going to get into as far as some of the calls on those um, on those two-point conversions. But I didn't like that from the start and it ended up biting them as far as, yeah, only getting six points every time when you score three touchdowns is is – a killer in that game. And there was also the kind of the six point swing right before halftime where I think we we're going to get down, at least get a field goal, maybe a touchdown. Vikings end up getting stopped and Detroit turns around and gets a, a field goal um, before halftime. So just kind of one of those games, but I think that both the, the decision to go for two and then the defense at the end, which has failed to stop a number of teams, you know, within the last two minutes of both the first half and end of the game um this year is what cost them so it's it's fair to put this one on on zimmer first and foremost yeah i do wonder and this is just uh, in the moment i wanted them to score a touchdown at the end of the game there or at the the last drive the vikings had um but i do wonder if say they run the ball one more time and can run another 35 seconds off the clock and kick the field goal to i believe go up one at that point I do wonder how, how different the, the defense plays if they don't play in a shell until the final drive, the lions had, they didn't, they didn't convert a third down and then they convert a third and 10 mm-hmm. as the first third down they convert because we change our defensive philosophy. And like you said, it's not like we got beat deep. I don't, I don't think there was a reason to go into prevent the way your defense had been playing. But yeah. Yeah, I mean the like way that said, they did play, they got the Detroit would have been in field goal range with enough time, right? But like you said, if we're if we're playing a different defensive scheme because of that, you know, knowing we need to get a stop more so than we need to let the time run out or you know prevent them from getting in field goal range, maybe. But yeah, I was I was thinking touchdown there because it's just you know that much harder for them to score a touchdown, but we didn't make it that hard for them. So we should mention the Vikings were missing. A number of starters, you know, Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin have been out for a couple of weeks now. Patrick Peterson was out, um, Anthony Barr and 
the guy who I don't know if you heard this, but it was really making me mad during the broadcast. They kept talking about Eric Hendricks, but they kept calling him Hendricks. I don't know what Jay Feely was talking about, but he said that like three times. And if you don't know who Eric Hendricks is, as you're, as you're covering a Vikings game, I don't know what to tell you, but that was annoying. Um, but anyways, missing those guys obviously was huge um, for the defense. But when it comes down to it, it's still the Lions and, and Jared Goff and you let that, that drive happen. Right. Yeah. I, I think the, the other thing that really annoyed me about the announcers or the play-by-play guys was at the end of the first half, when we did have that six point swing, um, they didn't realize Dan Campbell t- called the timeout. They thought the clock was stopped because we were waiting to set the change, which is not a rule in, in the NFL. It is in college, but it is, it's very, very well noted that that's different. So I don't know what they did. Um, not only did the Vikings overlook the Lions, but it looks like <laughs> those guys overlooked the the game that they had to call. Um, but yeah, the Vikings were down a lot of starters. They did get back their their defensive tackles, mm-hmm. which I think was big in in the run game. It was good to see Delvin Tomlinson making a couple plays and stuff. But you, <laughs> as much as we're ready for bar not necessarily to be on the team at least on the the contract that he's on um there's a a, a big step down in our linebacker play especially yeah. when Kendricks is out yeah and to lose a game when you have multiple fourth down stops in opposing territory is pretty crazy to me i know we scored a touchdown off the second one i think we only got a field goal off the first one when they went for fourth and on fourth down in the first quarter as well so you know, credit to the Lions for finally winning a game. Like I'm happy for them to some extent, but they tried to lose this game in every way they could too. And Dan Campbell seems like a great guy, but uh, some of the decision-making is, is very questionable. And those stops should have been more, more significant than they were, I guess, as far as the Vikings taking advantage of them. So let's go to the first half, which was, I don't know which one's more frustrating, I guess, you know, getting down, playing so bad against the lions or coming back and taking the lead and then still losing. But Vikings did very little in the first half. They had two field goals. um, One being off of that short field from the fourth down stop. And so what was it? Six to, it was 26 at halftime. Is that right? Um, Yep. Clint Kubiak. (laughs) I don't know how much more I can say after what we said all this time, but was, having problems again um, at one point there was a play where the Vikings had a third and eight within um, I don't think we're in the red zone, but within the 30. So kind of getting down to scoring position and we call a play, which how much of this is Clint, how much of it's Kirk. It's hard to know, but resulted in a DD Westbrook throw behind the line of scrimmage in which he lost two yards. And I know we haven't seen a ton from DD this year, but I don't know who expected him to make a play there that was going to lead to a first down. So, and there were a few, we were running a lot of, a lot of screens, a lot of um, stuff that just was not working as far as getting down the field. And yeah, it was very frustrating and they figured some things out in the second half, which really all it was, was give Justin the targets and give him the shots and he's going to come down with it pretty much every time. So he was really our whole offense today. Um, I know Madison had some plays, Conklin had some plays, but yeah, the first half, the play calling was really frustrating. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, pretty much the I, 
Clint, I guess I feel like he hasn't he hasn't had great games where where we see this genius coming out. Um, I feel like the book is out on Clint. Twelve games or eleven games, whatever it is, is enough to see that that he's not going to be the next Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan um, or Cliff Kingsbury. It, it, he's just not the guy. He doesn't know what to do on those two point conversions, which it's on Mike Zimmer that he's calling him knowing that his offensive coordinator doesn't know how to convert a two point conversion. I, I haven't looked anything up, but I feel like the only two point conversions we have complete or converted have been Dalvin cook runs, Mm -hmm. which we tried some crazy different runs today that didn't work. And it was just just frustrating on all accounts. But the Vikings, when I when I look back at the, the box score in the play-by-play here, the Vikings had the D.D. Westbrook play was on like the 21, so right in the red zone almost. Um, the drive before that, they stalled out at like the 13. So I don't know if shortening the field and, and the defense not having to cover the back end really hinders Clint, but it seems like a lot of times this season that, that that's where our drives have ended. It seems like our offense just gets out of a funk and, or into a funk and, and we don't have the same open receivers or anything when we get down close to the end zone. Yeah. There was also the drive. I think this was the one right before halftime where we're moving, we got down there and then, or maybe this was right after halftime. I don't remember, but, um, we get a hold and call and then we get a, a false start on Ole Udo and it's just backing up and um, not able to overcome that. We should also mention that. Have you ever seen a team go from week to week with three different offensive line, three different guys starting in different spots on the offensive line a week later after what was not a great performance in San Francisco, but by some of the pass blocking grades and stuff, not, not Kirk's worst game as far as being under pressure. And then we go from, let me see if I can even remember all of the different, the changes. So Uli Udo goes to left tackle because Christian Derrissaw is hurt. Bradbury comes back as center. And then Mason Coles kicks over to right guard. So three different starters on the offensive line in different places than last week. And I don't know, it wasn't terrible, but it was, um, it's just crazy to see a, a, such a significant change like that. And then there were quite a few penalties on the offensive line and the, some of the tight ends holding. Right. Yeah. I think you, you have three different starters to replace one injury is, mm-hmm. is I think, I think it really points to the the depth of this team. Clearly. clearly I thought that's the, what Rashad Hill was here for, but apparently not. Well, didn't he start at the beginning of the year? Yeah. That was our guy. And now, now he can't even beat out Ole. So I, I don't know, and I don't know if Oli has got some incriminating photos of the coaching staff, but I do not understand how he is still starting on this team. He started every game for us, and he hasn't been great at guard. Um, he gave up the, the play that Kirk fumbled um, where he got blown up and then countless penalties. I think um, – I think I saw it on today that he has 13 penalties on the year, which is more than one a game, which just – I would have taken the over on that, but yeah. 
isn't doing it for me. So I hopefully Darisaw can come back because he's yep. been a bright spot, but um, we'll have to wait until the rest of this week to see how the rest of the line did. But maybe going into the short week, we can get Darisaw back and only have to change one starter versus three. Yeah, and then we have a few times every game, it seems like we somehow put Tyler Conklin one-on-one with the defensive end, and he got beat once. He had a holding as well, and Stalker had a holding. Um, I don't know. I don't know the situations we're putting these guys in where that's needed as far as, as pass blocking goes. So there's not much more to say other than Clint is – is Clint the worst offensive coordinator we've had under Zimmer, you think? I don't know. I was not a DeFilippo guy. <laughs> yeah. And his tenure was short, but I think I still got to give it to him. He... I think maybe more from a play calling perspective. I think DeFilippo's scheme just didn't fit what was needed on this team. But, man, Clint has been – it just seems very clear that he's out of his depth in this role. So it's frustrating. Right. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think we've tried a couple times and, and we're just going to buck the narrative here. Um, we've tried a couple times for the young, the young, mm-hmm. exciting offensive coordinator with DiFilippo and um, Clint and, and it really hasn't worked. And then a couple times we have a super old guy with Shermer and um, Clint's dad, Gary Kubiak, that, the offense seems to hum. Um, and then I remember Musgrave, Musgrave, Musgrave. Yeah. Was that with Zimmer? I think so. That was like the early Teddy days. If I remember. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I I don't know. Maybe with Mike Zimmer, you can't have a young guy at, at the helm. It just doesn't, doesn't work out. And I, like you said, it's tough to know to what extent Zimmer has a hand in the offense. We think very little, but, Maybe, maybe we're wrong. Oh, no. Musgrave was under Frazier. My apologies to everyone. But there's been a lot of offensive coordinators through here in the last 10 years. So, um, yeah, all this to say, we can talk a little bit more about the offense, but bold prediction here, not really. I think Mike Zimmer is going to get fired after the season. Again, I don't think it's going to happen during the season, but this is – I think it was heading this direction anyways, and this just makes it a little bit more clear, which is maybe something Vikings fans should be thankful for as far as this team was not going anywhere anyways. Like, they're still going to be on the edge of the wild card. We'll see what happens. But, you know, win or lose this game, I don't think that the ceiling changes, especially without a pass rush and with um, some of what they've been dealing with all season. So I think that that's pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point. We can talk about rick and we can talk about kirk because those are the other kind of big questions that need to be answered and we'll get into that as we get into the um into the offseason as well but do you think do you see any path for i guess mike zimmer remaining as the, as the vikings coach heading into next year uh, the, the only way i see it happening is if they somehow squeak into the playoffs and make a run at least to the the championship NFC championship game. Um, I don't see that happening in any regard, like the Vikings just lost to the lions. Um, They lost to the Niners last week. 
Um, and we beat and the we Packers two weeks ago. How did that happen? And now we're here. Right here we are. Um, but I don't, I don't think you can play at home every week, especially the way you're playing. You're, you're not going to get any home playoff games. So right. I don't, don't see any, anything happening for this team with the injuries that we've had and, and just the, the personnel that's in the building. Yeah, we talked about this some earlier in the season with Zimmer, and we've both been very pro Zimmer throughout the years. And I just think to some extent the time, I know I set up, you know, at the beginning that Zimmer's cooked, and I don't necessarily believe that fully, but as far as his tenure here, I think that's the truth. And I think more than anything, it's just kind of, he's one of the longest tenured coaches in the NFL. Like he's probably top eight, maybe even top five, as far as being like, eight years or whatever, however long he's been here is a pretty long time in the NFL. And eventually I think you just kind of need to have a new voice in there and a new, um, you know, reset, potentially someone younger. I do think that if Mike Zimmer does want to continue coaching beyond this year, you know, go back to a defensive coordinator role and maybe he wants to just retire. And, you know, as we've seen um, in recent weeks with some of the news, like he's got a lot to, um, to look forward to as far as his personal life. So maybe he'll just go that direction. But I think if someone got him as a defensive coordinator, they'd be very happy with, with what he could do as a defensive coordinator still in the NFL. Like, I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily what it is. I just think that this um, collection of, of leaders that the Vikings have had over this kind of tenure has not worked. They've not been above 500 since 2019. And They've never really, since Kirk got here, had a, um, a season. They haven't won the division, and they haven't really had a season that gives you a ton of hope moving forward. So Zim's going to be the one in the crosshairs this week, and rightfully so. But I think that Zimmer, Kirk, and Rick Spielman are all in this together to some extent. We'll see if they all end up leaving at the same time, but I don't think it's necessarily all on Zimmer because if you look at, you know, kind of who was some of who was playing this week. Um, that's not all his fault either. So Kirk gets off the hook a little bit this week. He had a good game after a pretty bad first half. We didn't talk last week after the game with it being a holiday weekend and everything, but Kirk was very bad last week. I think he's the number one reason we lost in San Francisco. So to me, I'm pretty out on Kirk as far as I just don't think that you can win a Super Bowl with him, especially at the number he's at as far as his contract. So I'd be looking to move off him as well. But, you know, we'll see what that looks like as far as one more year or whatever. But any thoughts that you have on, on all that as far as, and I didn't really give you anywhere to go with that, but <laughs> those. I think, yeah, I, I think with Zimmer um, in his first couple of years here, he started with Teddy and they made the playoffs and then Blair Walsh and then it, it, it's just been a QB carousel up mm. until we signed Kirk. And that was always the thought of, man, if Syke Zimmer can have a competent quarterback, watch out for this team. And then we get Kirk and 2019, they make the playoffs and win a playoff game, I believe. But mm. he's, he's one for three in Kirk's, Kirk's time here um, in making the playoffs, assuming they missed last year, this year. So like you said, I think, you held on to Zimmer through a couple bad years just due to, which they haven't been really bad, but just due to the circumstances regarding the quarterback. And then you gave him these, these 
last couple of years with Kirk's not terrible. He, he does some weird things and, and I'm out on Kirk as well. Um, but he's definitely provided stability at the quarterback position. And that hasn't been able, that hasn't translated to deep playoff runs with, with Mike Zimmer. So like I, like you said, I think the package of Rick Zim and Kirk kind of needs to, to go in the same regard, but we'll see if they can make that happen with Kirk's contract. Yeah. I know that, you know, QB wins are something that people always talk about. Like it shouldn't only be on the quarterback wins and losses and stuff, but if you look at it, I'm going to pull it up as I, as I ramble here, but um, Kirk Cousins has been a 500 quarterback his entire career. I think he's like two games below 500 right now. Cause he's usually right in line with the Vikings um, record on the season. And I, this is very cliche, but I just don't think that he's a winner as far as he puts up good numbers. And I think, you know, there was people were talking a little bit on Twitter after the game today about, they show like as the game ends, Kirk Cousins kind of laughing and smiling and stuff, which personally, I don't care about that kind of stuff. Like if you lose, I don't need you to act sad. Like everyone's a competitor. I get that. Nobody wants to lose. Like I'm not mad at someone for smiling or whatever in the post game with, with the opponent, but I don't really get the sense that Kirk Cousins cares about winning that much. Like, yeah, I like will in say the Tom Kirk- Brady sense, like Kirk, Kirk Cousins cares about getting $84 million guaranteed. That's yes. a win for him, which good for you. But I just don't think I don't see that desire to get beyond what he's been for his whole career, which is a 500 quarterback. Right. He's done just enough to convince people that he's worth the the top tier of NFL quarterback contracts. Um, and to him, that's great. His, I'm sure he's very happy with his earnings to this point. But I will say. He is, I believe he is from like that Michigan area. Mm-hmm. So after the game, I'm sure he had friends and family and whatever um, to see. So like you said. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that specifically, but it just, it doesn't like, that's a good, yeah, the even, sense I get from him just as his, as he's been here for four years now. Yep. I agree. And, and even in like the post game press conferences and, and everything like that, it doesn't seem to really affect Kurt that that the team that they lost that's because he's not a leader that's the thing he's when he has the most like emotion is when he does something for himself as a win that is proving people wrong about himself winning his first playoff game or the you know the you like that game a few years ago when he was talking about the criticism he's received like i just don't think that he's a leader of this team which not everybody is but i think that combined with the way that he's failed to show up in some in some big games and just the limits that he has I've said it before. He's the best quarterback we've had in 20 years other than the one Brett Favre season, but I just don't think it's enough. And if Viking fans, like if you want to continue this, like around 500 mediocre, like seasons over and over again, then keep Kirk, extend Kirk cousins. But I would rather roll the dice on a quarterback, whether in the draft or trading for someone or whatever that potentially has the upside to get to a super bowl, than pay Kirk cousins, $40 million to go 500 and he's 58, 61, and two in his career. So Vikings would have to get above 500 this season for him to get back above 500 for his own personal career too, which maybe someone should let him know. Let him know that he's three games. <laughs> Thomason's been, Chris Thomason always brings it up. He's been letting him know. But yeah, I think um, 
and obviously you and I are big Teddy guys, but, but Teddy was a leader of right. the team, regardless of his stats. Like Teddy would throw for 160 and one touchdown maybe. And he still was the leader of that team. Um, where, By the way, you know Kirk which teams won not... more games than the Vikings this year? The Broncos, even with Teddy missing a couple games. And they haven't played this week. Yeah. No, I. You're preaching to the choir there. And it's, of course, I'm getting more mad about Kirk Cousins in a game when Mike Zimmer is the one that we're really mad. But, you know, I'm showing my bias. But the issue with Kirk is more the contract combined with the play, right? Like, put him head to head. Kirk Cousins is probably a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater, right? But when you look at the contracts, like, that's what we've been talking about and that's what we will talk about as far as going into the future building a team you know if you can get someone a rookie contract that's even you know i don't think mac jones is as good as kirk cousins is right now but if he's 80 percent as good and you're paying him 20 percent as much you know as kirk cousins then that's going to be worth it for your team so i would look to move off of kirk as soon as possible um whether that's whether that's continuing to pay him through next year, you know, at a pretty awful number, but if you have to, you know, eat that and go in, you know, to freedom in 2023, I would do that. I would just not extend him under any circumstances um, unless it's like a sign and trade or whatever, which I don't think they do in the NFL, but hopefully you can trade him is what I would say. Someone may want to, maybe someone may toss us a first round pick for Kirk cousins. Like look at the numbers, you know, He's having a good season by those metrics. Someone someone might do it. I mean, they almost traded for him in Washington, but Washington was too stubborn to do it. So that would be my hope. Um, but we're kind of off on a tangent at this point. We still got five weeks to go. So yeah, that's that. Thoughts on Alexander Madison today? I thought he looked pretty good today. Um, you had mentioned maybe maybe changing course, but I, I didn't see enough to, to go that far. Um, I, I think he looks better as a starter is my only thing. Like I get mad about it when he's taking carries away from Dalvin, but maybe it's the play calling. Like he usually uh, is getting the bad plays when Dalvin's out, but I don't know. He's not as good as Dalvin. Like people don't say that, like, but I don't know. I was happy with him today. I guess I was pretty impressed. He runs hard. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And, and he does. I don't think he has the big playability of Delvin, which like you just said, he's not as good as Delvin, but he does run very hard. Um, I think maybe when he's not the starter, he's just trying to do too much with yeah. his limited carries. Like that could be. the the thing we've been talking about is it seems like he's always trying to bounce the the ball outside when he's getting those limited carries. But today he, he seemed to run through the tackles pretty well and, and find cutback lanes and, and everything to that extent. So He's he's a he's really really good as a second back when he needs to start, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. <laughs> no, yeah, he's he's filled in nicely, and yeah, I wouldn't be like move on from Dalvin and start Madison in the future or anything like that. But and I wonder if Madison may this may be the last year of his contract. I'm not sure what's going on there. Someone may want him, but um, yeah, he he runs hard and although the announcers kept saying how good a vision he has. And I was not buying, I wasn't really buying that, but uh, he had a good game. Um, him and Justin Jefferson, who I, yeah, we should talk about Justin Jefferson. Cause I think Justin Jefferson's the best wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah. I, I mean, I would agree with you. He, he puts up numbers on a offense that lost the lions today. Um, so he, 
it seemed like every time they threw at him, good things happened. He had the one one route where he stopped running and Kirk almost threw a pick and, and mm-hmm. Justin took took the the blame for that. But well the I, jump I ball know. that Kirk threw up to him was just it's just like ridiculous. Just let it fly up there and, and he'll get it. And then yeah, he had almost 200 yards total. I was a little surprised. Did you think that the Vikings career um or franchise record for receiving yards in a single game was only 210 and by Sammy White? I think I actually do remember that um, just because I think Diggs had, had threatened that at, mm-hmm. at one time. Um, and I remember thinking, wow, Sammy White has that. That's interesting to me. But, um, yeah, it is surprising. With, yeah, with that's going to go down soon, that no? have, With all the receivers that have been through Minnesota, it's really surprising. To, and, and Sammy White's great. but Yeah, I can't believe Randy never had more than that in a game. And – yeah, I think Justin's going to get it sooner than later. Um, but our yeah, our rushing record almost, you know, almost 100 yards more, 296, Adrian. So that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Any other thoughts on this game this season? I know we have a little – we want to play a little bit of a futuristic game before we leave as far as looking at the future coach. But, I mean, you got to go 4-1 and one to get to the playoffs. Do you think you can do it? <laughs> I really felt great about four and two um, after last week, right? Losing to the Packers in Lambeau and to the Rams. Um, I don't know. I think it's a three and two team, and that's assuming a win at Soldier Field, which right. never comes lightly. So I, I would say no. Or we could mess around and get a top 10 pick with a couple more losses. That would be interesting. That's kind of where I'm at. I think you had mentioned you still don't think Mike Zimmer gets fired through in the season. Um, and I think that's true to some extent because there's not really any, any person gonna, yeah. on, the, on, on the staff that, that can be promoted. But um, I would promote, was it Andre Patterson is the co-defensive sure. coordinator? I would promote him, see what he's got. I mean, he's he's been looked at for head coaching opportunities to some extent um, on the defensive side of the ball, see if he can do beat Zimmer at his own game. Um, and that only happens if they lose this Thursday and you've got a, a extended week sure. that, that Zimmer or that Patterson can kind of take that over. But if the Vikings win on Thursday, Zimmer's here through the end of the year and he probably is here through the end of the year, regardless. Yeah, all, all love and respect to Andre Patterson and Keenan McCardell, who's the other guy I would maybe look at as an interim, but I'm at this at the point where I don't really want to give an interim guy the shot because if the Vikings do look decent, then you get potentially tricked into hiring the interim guy full-time. And like I just don't think that, you know, I like those guys, but I don't think that that's the direction I want the franchise to go moving forward. So um, that's why I would potentially avoid that situation but i mean other than that pretty much everyone on the coaching staff has certain like nepotism ties to mike zimmer or click kubiak so tough to go there so right with that though okay head coach so as we said we think it's going to be over for zimmer after this year i'm going to throw you a few names um if you want to just say 
scale of one to 10, like how excited would you be for this, um, for this hire? Um, so this is a few of the names that have been thrown out there. And again, listen, Rick Spielman, we're going to get to you. I've got a lot of smoke for you coming. Uh, I've been, I was really frustrated with the roster, especially last week. So I was looking at past drafts and stuff and spoiler alert, it has not been good for the last like five years. Like congrats on picking Justin Jefferson. We all know you're supposed to do that, but otherwise pretty rough. So we're going to get to him personally. I would like to move on there as well, but Zimmer is kind of the one that's um, in the headlines right now, at least. So looking at head coaches, so just right off the top scale of one to 10, like how, how excited would you be about these hires? So first, this is a guy that's been in, in kind of conversations for a few years now. People are wondering why he hasn't got a job yet. Chiefs offensive coordinator, Eric B enemy. I wrote down when we kind of went through these names, I wrote down a 10, um, but I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to, I'm going to drop that down to a nine yeah. um, or, or eight and a half. Um, I would be very excited I mean, the, the Andy Reed coaching tree does look great, but then I think, Matt Aggie? well, right. That's the, that's what that dropped him a point and a half or a point yeah. there. That's the, the only reason Matt Nagy is real bad. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, but I'd like to give him a shot. He's, he's been with the chiefs for, for a long time that they've had this success. My only concern is, are you able to set up an offense when you don't have a generational talent like Patrick Mahomes under right. under center? Yeah. Yeah. We've, I mean, we've talked about him for a couple of years cause we thought he'd get hired and it's like, you know, we want to keep Zim, but if we had to go somewhere else, like, so the enemy would be definitely still high on the list um, for me. I'd be very happy about that. That's what, like, you know, eight out of 10 or whatever. So this is a name I hadn't even thought of until I saw someone say it on Twitter today. Cause he's been kind of out of the league for a year now, but, former Super Bowl winning head coach, Doug Peterson. Which I believe is a Andy Reid coaching tree as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote down a six, I guess. Um, I felt like he obviously knows how to win at US Bank Stadium. So that's a positive. <laughs> but I, I felt like he had a pretty good um, – pretty good setup, pretty good roster yeah. in, in Philly and, and couldn't make it work. Um, I guess he had Wentz and I was in, so maybe, maybe I got to give him a little more credit, but um, six, still over five, still over average. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely willing for the Vikings to go an offensive head coach. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing about Peterson and this may be some about just the Eagles, how they were doing business over there too, but I know he had some issues with like the front office and stuff. And what was the weird thing? Oh, was it hurts that he took out of a game like to the end when they were tanking or something weird? Remember that? Um, yeah. So I think he does have kind of just like an ego and like is a pretty wants to do things his way, which, you know, could be good. Like again, he won a Super Bowl, but I would be, he wouldn't be my first choice, but I, I could get on board with, with Doug Peterson. So this is a name people have been throwing out. I don't know a ton about him, but Brian Dable from the Bills, but he's he's kind of a, up supposed to be one of the main up and coming guys. Yeah, I don't know a lot about him either. Um, I wrote down kind of six and a half here. I'd be more excited than than Doug Peterson, just if it's for the the mystery factor. Because maybe, man, what if he's great? That would that would be sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I really don't know a lot about him. One positive is Stefan Diggs seems to get all the targets that he, he wants in Buffalo. And I don't know to what extent that's um, this Dabble guy or, or Josh Allen, but if you can keep Justin Jefferson happy, that's, that's t- high on my list of needs of a new head coach. For sure. Yeah. Although I will say Jefferson out, out gaining digs on the season, but <laughs> bills are good. So um, yeah, that's, I mean, you mentioned Jefferson, like that's the biggest thing is moving forward. Like you have to maximize what he's doing and, you know, we'll talk about Kirk later down the line too, but that's the concern kind of with, if you do go into kind of a soft rebuild, which you can turn around fast in the NFL. That's why I'm in favor of it because I think in, if it's only, it could only be two years and you could be, you know, back in contention and with a brighter future than you have now, as far as, you know, even just next season being that reset and then going from there with someone in the draft or whatever it is. So We'll get into more specifics of that, but I do think you can do it quickly. That's why I want to move on rather than continue running it back. Something that's not worked over four seasons now. So last one, and this would be one of my most intriguing names is Byron Leftwich, who is the, he's currently offensive coordinator for the, I think it's offensive coordinator um, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I think I'm an eight on, on Byron Leftwich. I like that. Um, I would definitely be excited about that name. I know Tom Brady gives you a lot of intangible or mm-hmm. intangibles, but Tom Brady at, at his current age is not the most physically gifted quarterback. Um, and they still seem to find a way to put up points. So it, Byron Leftwich, I think could get a lot out of Kirk. I think Kirk is more physically, I think he is at this moment, a little better arm talent than, than Tom Brady. Um, but like I said, I don't want to run it back with Kirk. So who knows what Byron Leftwich would get? Yeah. He knows how to get his receivers involved. That's for sure. So yeah, I'd be excited about him. I don't know a ton about his like personality just cause he hasn't been, you know, in the, in the spotlight as far as speaking with, with media and those sorts of things. So I don't know about him a ton about him from like a leadership perspective, but I think he would be certainly a, a name to watch and one that I would be potentially really excited about. So I'm sure there'll be more names out there, but you know, if the Vikings are in the market for a head coach, which we think that they will be um, shortly after the week 18, then these are a few names that could be out there that I'm sure there will be more. And, you know, it could be exciting. It's, it's hard to go from a guy that came in and, you know, to Zimmer's credit turned around what was a pretty bad um, culture and team and turned into a, you know, consistent contender. So that's, what's hard to kind of move on from, but I do think that you've seen over the last few years, just that there is, is a ceiling on this. And it's, if you want to get to that ultimate goal, then you need to be willing to take a risk and, and start over with, with someone new to potentially um, take it over the top. So that's all yeah, that. Think, um, yeah. I think the Vikings job could, and maybe I'm biased, which probably am, but could be a pretty lucrative job. Um, the, the roster is, is fairly talented. Um, I know we're very top heavy, but and old, if you have, yeah. yeah, if you have Daniel Hunter and, and Eric Kendricks, that's a decent, Hendricks. decent. 
Oh, Hendricks. Um, decent core to build around on, on defense. Um, and then Justin Jefferson is the putting star. Delvin Cook is a top-tier running back, if that's what you want. And like you said, depending on how the rest of these games, the Vikings have a top-10 pick, and you're able to get a quarterback that you can – either throw right into the fire or stash behind Kirk for one year and then move on for, from Kirk. Um, it might not be that bad. Yeah. The last thing I was going to say, we were talking about this a little bit on Saturday during the um, conference championship games is Minnesota Vikings. If you're listening, you know, Ziggy Wilf, Mark Wilf, if you want to, to take, take next year, throw it away, go full tank, to get the top pick or one of the top picks, whatever it takes to land Bryce Young, I'm in. As a season ticket holder, I support that decision if that's what you want to do. So, or if you want to take a shot on a quarterback this year and then maybe if it doesn't work out, go again, double dip then the following year. I'm in on that too. But whatever it takes to find that um, franchise quarterback on a rookie deal that you can then build around and, you know, I'm sure we'll we'll go through kind of the roster after the season's over and be like, who do we who do we want to build around? But you may have a decent offensive line that's young. Yeah. You know, you right. probably have one more spot you need to fill, definitely at guard. But <laughs> otherwise, you have that. You have Jefferson, you have Cook. Um, not a whole lot after that. KJ Osborne. But yeah, again, I think you can turn around quickly in the NFL. So if it's even and what are we even turning around from? We're five and seven. We just lost the Lions. Like, it's bad now. Could it get worse? Sure, but this is not working. So <laughs> we yeah. gotta, we gotta do something. Even though we lost, even though we lost the Lions, we're not the Lions. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're they have they're still in full rebuild mode at, at, when I look at it. So, right. um, you at least gotta have a better option than them. So. All right, so what's the so we have another game in five days or four days? What's the uh, that we will most likely be going to unless someone wants to be a be a pal and purchase our tickets? Give me a little pep talk for going to this game. I was excited if, about it if we were five hundred and a chance to get above five hundred, but coming off this Thursday night football against the Steelers, color rush. What's the pep talk as we're going in? Um, I think the pep talk is um, you've got a older, little less mobile quarterback in, in big Ben. And um, I don't think he's to the point of Aaron Rodgers on being able to diagnose Mike Zimmer's different things. Um, the, the different things that he throws at you with, with splits pack packages and such. So maybe Mike Zimmer can come out and, and have a game. Um I don't think Mike Zimmer is coached in a Thursday night game at home, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. but maybe that, maybe that's his calling. Who knows? Um, and you're going to get to watch Justin Jefferson. So that, that, that's the pep talk. <laughs> you got me with the last one. Um, so you're feeling good about Clint Kubiak on a short week. No, not at all. <laughs> I'm hoping the only thing that he's able to kind of game plan is get the ball to Justin Jefferson. Right. And we don't have any time for anything else. That would be, that would be the best option. Yeah. Thielen may be out. Dalvin may be out or is most likely out. So yeah, you know, we'll get, we'll turn it around. We always talk ourselves into it by the time we're walking in. So 
Um, it could still be fun. Um, but the last thing I will say is it was just crazy to think about sometimes with Mike Zimmer. It seems like he's this last game is not a good example of as far as against the Packers um, of slowing Aaron Rodgers down because he had a great game, at least in the second half. But Zimmer has done a lot to confuse and make life difficult for great quarterbacks and make them beat him with, you know, great throws and great plays and everything. But weirdly, like this season, you have like a guy like Cooper Rush or a guy like Jared Goff or even Jimmy G last week where I don't know if Zimmer is just like not getting exotic or what, but it seems like I feel like he used to just make life miserable for, especially at home, I guess, but a bad quarterback would come in or a rookie quarterback. And it's like, we know that it's going to be a long day for them and they're not going to be able to do anything. Right. And then, so to go from that to, you know, letting Jared Goff dink and duck down the field for a game winning touchdown. I don't know. That's why I think that, I don't know if he's just lost his edge or the confidence is gone or just, you know, the buy-in isn't there anymore or whatever, but that's just weird to see. Cause I think that was just something that was so something you could really bet on with Zimmer early in his time with the Vikings and through their best days was especially against, you know, good quarterbacks, you know, is going to make it as hard as possible, but if a bad quarterback comes in, you are going to, they are going to be in for a really long day. So, so I just think that that's changed and I, I don't know why, but that's, what's kind of frustrating about, about this loss to Jared Goff. Right. And especially the, the way you lost driving down 75 yards. If in, like you said, and, and tweeted or uh, messaged me anyways, I don't trust Jared Goff to mount a game winning drive against Mike Zimmer. And, and we were proven wrong. So I don't know if, like you said, Zimmer's lost his touch or he's not as aggressive when the, the quarterback isn't Aaron Rodgers or, or somebody that's established. But um, I just think back to that Rams game that, that Jared Goff played in years ago and they scored on their first drive and didn't score the rest of the game. Like that was a great Mike Zimmer game. And we, we just don't see that really against the non top tier quarterbacks anymore. Yeah. And a lot of it is personnel for sure. But to some extent, they, especially on that last drive were, you know, the call, the play calling was allowing that to happen. So I'll end with this. Someone texted me after the game and said, you know, the Vikings need to clean house. And he said, from, from Rick all the way down to PA, everybody's got to go. So PA, the seat <laughs> might be hot too. So watch out. <laughs> People are fed up. People are fed up. Too much optimism from, from PA in yeah. a down year. That's true. All right. Well, I will see you on Thursday night. Um, any final thoughts after this one? No, I think, um, I think the writing's on the wall and, and we'll ride out the, the rest of the season. Yep. If I know anything though, they'll probably get us back in at some point. They'll probably make us believe and then, <laughs> and then let us down once again. But after all that, um, school Vikings and we'll see you later. School. I'm sorry. I swore at you. I was just upset.